0: What's up, Stitches? Welcome to episode 13 of season 3 of So What, hosted by your friend and historic needlework fan, Isabella Rosner. That's me. I cannot believe there's only three more episodes of the season left. Ah, time continues to fly by and make no sense to me. I think you're probably the same way. Everything is nonsense. Anyway, Today's episode is our fourth mini-episode about the needlework technique of a specific continent. We've done Europe, we've done the Americas, we've done Asia, and now we're doing Africa. A delight! A joy! Today is the day to get into Asafo flags, regimental flags of the Fonte people of Ghana made of appliqued cotton. Before we get into Asafo flags, though, I have to briefly say, you can see images of what I discussed today, as well as the sources I used, at so what Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and at SoWhatPodcast.com. Okay, back to the topic at hand. I'll give you fine folks a little overview of Asafo flags, and then we'll get into their history, design, and the techniques involved. Asafo flags, called Franca, spelled F-R-A-N-K-A-A, are an important part of Asafo regalia. The trusty Asafo Flags Wikipedia article has an excellent, concise overview, which I will share with you all because it's straight to the point and just an overall good time. It reads, quote, A man who wishes to join a Safo society designs a new flag and commissions its production from the local flag maker. The imagery of the flag challenges rival groups as it asserts the wealth and power of the company. The designs are a reflection of the importance of proverbs throughout the Akan culture. A company's flags are usually hung around the posuban, P-O-S-U-B-A-N. I hope I am pronouncing that correctly a concrete shrine for each company that is colorfully decorated with bright figures and serves as a place for regalia and sacrifice. The flags are carried on a procession through the village and are used at annual festivals, funerals for company members, and other occasions." End quote. I realize there are a few terms that I haven't defined in that summary, so let me fix that. First, Asafo. Asapho are warrior groups in Akan culture. They're basically military companies. The Akan are basically a group of ethnic groups who live primarily in present-day Ghana and the Ivory Coast. The word Asafo comes from Sa, S-A, which means war, and Fo, F-O, which means people. Historically, the role of Asafo companies was defense of the state. And to make it clear, these Asafo companies are basically military organizations within the people called the Fonte, F A N T E. Okay, because the Fonte inhabited and still do inhabit the coastal region of. Ghana, which was historically called the Gold Coast, the coastal region, they developed an especially thorough network of Asafo companies and a subsequent visual art element, which are, of course, the flags. So now let's delve into how and why these flags developed, yeah? Okay, before I do that, let me just quickly say Asafo flags are pretty world renowned for their vibrancy and their ability to convey stories and messages. They've been really popular in the art world amongst collectors and museums since the 1990s. Okay, so the Fonte people live along the southern coast of Ghana to the west of Accra in fishing villages like Onomabu, Salt Pond, Mankasim, Elmina, and the town of Cape Coast. Elmina, E-L-M-I-N-A, was the site of the first major European settlement in West Africa. That's where the Portuguese built St. George's Castle in 1492. After the development of this basically fortress for several centuries, the region of and around Elmina was a center for slave trading. The Fonte became really important intermediaries between the European slavers and tribes further into the region, away from the coast. So obviously there's a big obvious in-your-face yikes at the slave trading. We know this, we see this, we are yikesing about it. So the Portuguese rolled through at the end of the 15th century, but European cloth didn't get to the region until the 17th century. That's when it's believed Asafo flag making began. The sources I've consulted state that there are reports of Asafo flags being made and used from at least the late 17th century, Barbara Ison, the creative director of AsafoFlags.com and a collector, seller, and researcher of Asafo Flags, says the earliest flags date back to the early 18th century and may have been painted or drawn on raffia. So that's all well and good. What's unclear to me is exactly when the Asafo companies emerged in terms of when... Asafo flag-making emerged. When did that all start? How did that relate to each other? What are the origins? I do not know, and I can't figure it out. Wikipedia has the most thorough origin story of any of the online sources I've found. The Wikipedia article for Asafo reads, quote, In Elmina, Asafo companies emerged in the early 18th century out of the wards of Elmina that had existed since at least the 17th century. The omission of a description of Asafo companies in Willem Bosman's, oh my god, it's Dutch and it's going to be horrible, Now now Keurig, Besch Riving, yep, from 1703, leads Harvey Feinberg to the conclusion that these companies could not have been very important by that date. This changed in the first quarter of the 17th century, when the original three wards had been complemented by four new wards consisting of new immigrant groups to Elmina. In 1724, when the Dutch needed the help of the Elmenese to oust John Canoe from Fort Gross, Friedrichsburg, they organized the wards into rank order, with each ward having a number and an established military formation. It was this occasion that gave rise to the domination of Asafo companies in the socio political life of Elmina, and of the ten Asafo companies existing today, seven are mentioned in 1724. The Wikipedia states that another three Asafo companies were added in the 19th century, and there are seven Asafo companies in Cape Coast. And if you're wondering what exactly was up with all these different European countries I keep mentioning colonizing the region, they were very much doing that until 1874, when Britain established control over the area. According to Barbara Eisen on AsafoFlags.com, which I mentioned just a minute ago, we know it, we love it, quote, Asafo companies developed as military organizations of young men in the Fonte villages, adapting flags and other European-inspired regalia to local use. As well as defending the village against local enemies and incursions by the Asante, the two or three companies in each community developed intense local rivalries, which were acted out during festivals and other ceremonial occasions." the active fighting role of the Asafo companies ended with the British colonial takeover late in the 19th century, but they remain key associations in the ritual life of Fonte villages, quote. During Ghana's period of colonization, Asafo companies were in charge of sanitation, road works, local policies, community entertainment, protecting state goods, and conducting funerals. Their fighting duties ended with British colonization, but they still have a strong role in the ritual life of Fonte villages today. Each Asafo company has a central shrine called a Pasuban, I said this earlier, which is where the flags and other regalia are stored. During annual festivals, funerals for company members, and other festive occasions, the flags are hung around the Pasuban and paraded around the village. So, yes, there's the history, brief but detailed, I hope, from then until now. Asafo flags are still very much being made. According to an article from the Conservation Center, quote, Asafo flags are made exclusively by men with younger generations apprenticing to learn the art. The flags were an active art, something used in day-to-day life, as Gus Casely Hayford, a British curator, cultural historian, and lecturer with Ghanaian roots, called them, quote, a visual metaphor for what community can mean, end quote. And now, let's get into the flags themselves, designs and such. This is a, you know, textile podcast after all. We gotta talk about the textiles. Asafo flags are really bold in their design and are often quite colorful, they combine regional proverbs, narrative storytelling, and European heraldic tradition. Text and things like human figures, animals, geometric borders, and flags are cut out of colorful cotton fabrics and are applied onto other pieces of colored cotton. In the flags, there are lots of human figures in profile, often with embroidered ears, eyes, and mouths. A lot of them hold guns, which makes sense given the whole military company thing. There are animals like donkeys, lobsters, chickens, and lions, and most have polychrome borders with strips of cotton in alternating colors, zigzags, and triangles, and some have fringe along their borders. At this point, I will refer back to Barbara Eisen's wise words, this time in an article from It's Nice That.com, great name, I find that very funny, called Asafo Flags Embody Cultural Meanings and Narratives from Ghana's Fante People. End quote. The article is written by Ginny Ong, and the final paragraph is a mix of Ong and Eisen's words, which reads, quote, The flags often illustrate powerful visual metaphors, such as animals like the crocodile, which represents strength in the Fonte communities. Creatures are often considered more powerful than humans, says Barbara. The fish and crocodile flag, titled Hen Afu, narrates the proverb of how, quote, fish grow fat for the benefit of the crocodile who rules the river, end quote. The pepper tree flag documents an obedience fable, quote, if a child wants to pick a ripe pepper, let him do it, and when it gets in his eyes, he will stop himself, end quote. The cactus tree flag is about how, quote, only a brave chicken will approach a cactus tree, end quote, as the cactus and pepper tree were considered dangerous. In The Big Water Bird, quote, the big water bird swallows a fish from a different angle, end quote, suggesting that the owners of the flag can accomplish things others find difficult. The flags offer a fascinating insight into Fonte culture through a timeless aesthetic and capture the soul of Fonte proverbs through simple and elegant designs, quote. I learned a lot from that jam-packed description, but I also learned that I would like to be a brave chicken who approaches a cactus tree. May we all be brave chickens. Here's another description of some Asafo Flags, this time from a blog post accompanying the 2016-17 exhibition about Asafo Flags at the Royal Ontario Museum. Quote, "...Asafo Flags depict all manner of peoples and events, from simple fish to raging griffins, and each image is highly symbolic." An Asapho flag depicting a crocodile and fish, for instance, was a message to other companies and potential invaders. The invaders were the fish and the company the crocodile, a beast of prey coming in on a helpless opponent. In a similarly imagery-based message, some companies would depict the traps their people used for bringing home food as a warning that invasion of their territory was a poor idea by suggesting that invaders would be quickly detected and surrounded. In other cases, flags would bear the image of powerful beasts such as lions to intimidate enemies, End quote. Flags from before 1957 usually feature a British flag in the upper left corner. 1957 is the date Ghana gained its independence. The inclusion of the British flag makes a lot of sense when one considers that Asafo companies adopted European military practices under colonization. Asafo flags made after 1957 feature Ghanaian flags in the upper left corner instead. It's super easy to love these flags after all, they're bold, vibrant, and deceptively simple. One of the things I love so much about them is that they make these tiny snippets of life, these momentary scenes, permanent. I also love how much they say and suggest in so few applique shapes. And of course, I very much love how colorful they are. The more vibrant a textile is, the more into it I am. It's my truth, I can't lie. But Loving Asafo flags has to come with some caveats. These flags are artifacts from Ghana's colonial past. That's not easy to forget since most historic examples have the flag of Ghana's colonizers on them. Each flag has on it a further flag, the smaller flag in the left-hand corner, which makes it feel like the Ghanaian object is pledging allegiance or some sort of loyalty to the British flag. It's a complicated thing to think about because Asafo flags wouldn't exist without the arrival of European cloth all those centuries ago. But then again, maybe Asafo, and therefore their flags, wouldn't have existed or would have been far different if it hadn't been for the arrival of Europeans themselves. And it's not just the British who are the baddies here, as the Fonte acted as middlemen in the slave trade, thanks to their position along the coast. The artist, Kerry James Marshall, and his wife, actress Cheryl Lynn Bruce, owned several Asafo flags and perhaps said it simply and maybe the best when they said, quote, We bought these flags more than 20 years ago because the designs were bold yet economical. The symbolism was enigmatic. However, we knew the banners were artifacts from Ghana's colonial past. End quote. To talk about Asafo flags like they are nothing more than banners would be unfair to the tricky history of Asafo companies and the region's history of colonialism. But on top of all of that, and the reason why we're here today, is because Asafo flags speak to the power of visual storytelling. They relay jokes, insults, historic lessons, proverbs, warnings, and everything in between through nothing but cloth on cloth. Even though I don't speak Akan and therefore can't read the text on most Asafo flags, I don't really need text to understand the narratives told so simply, so vibrantly on these banners. I see a man stealing water, I see a woman nursing her young, and I see a group of people watching shooting stars. In these textiles, images transcend text, and I think that is obviously so rad. The power of textiles is, once again, coming in hot. Before I end this episode, I want to leave you with a boast depicted on an Esopha flag in the Textile Museum in Washington, D.C. that I think is just great. It depicts the flag, two armed men watching a man with a bowl on top of a cactus on his head. It illustrates the boast, We can carry water in a basket using a cactus as a head cushion, which is basically saying, we can do the impossible. I really love that. Not only the unexpected current of cactus imagery that has appeared throughout this episode, but also this flag, this brightly colored, super graphic, dynamic flag that waves in the wind and literally says we can do the impossible. And on that very motivational speaker note, I will say goodbye for now and thanks for listening. See you next week for another episode full of historic needlework goodness. Now, go out and stitch some stories and be the brave chicken who will approach the cactus tree. Bye!